1: podcast is about sex. If you're faint-hearted or easily offended, you might not want to listen, but you should. Join me, Tracy Cox, and Kelsey Chittick as we share honest and real sex advice on this award-winning podcast. Tracy is an
0: international sex educator and author of lots of books about sex and relationships.
1: Kelsey is a podcaster, comedian, and author who is getting out of her comfort zone both in the bedroom and in these conversations.
0: Each week, we answer three anonymous sex and relationship questions sent in by you, our listeners, and nothing is off limits. Here's Sex Talk. Hello, and welcome back to Sex Talk with Tracy
1: Cox. How's it going today? I'm good. I'm a little bit obsessed with the TV show at the moment. I think you would have it over there. It's called Welcome to Chippendales, and and it's all about the Chippendale strippers, Yes, actually, one
0: of my girlfriends worked on that show and
1: she said it's amazing. Mm, It is really good. But what's amazing about it is... When I was in my twenties, just when I left Cosmo, I got approached by the head of the main strippers in Australia, which were called Manpower, and they were massive, right? Uh And this guy called Billy Cross asked me if I wanted to write their magazine every year because he wanted a magazine as well as the calendar. So I said sure, and he paid me so much money. So each year I would go trotting up, I get flown to Vegas or wherever they were shooting the calendar, hang out with male strippers, and they were absolutely hot as could be and just interview them and watch them posing for their calendar and it was amazing and I thought to myself bloody hell like that was quite extraordinary to do that and also I was married at the time and I remember my husband not being very happy about it and I was like well I'm going I'm going anyway well, well I just I wonder don't understand marriage didn't last <laughs> exactly how can we get that
0: gig for you again and you can bring me as a plus one <laughs> I mean, wait, why did I meet you when you're, on, when you're not covering strippers I know, anymore? It's a shame, really. It's it hard, a And shame. they
1: were really nice as well. I ended up friends with them. But when I'm watching this, I keep saying to Miles, I keep saying, my husband, I keep saying, God, I, I remember that. Yeah, they used to do that. Yeah, they absolutely did this. And they went, no, they, they never did that. That's a made-up thing. And um, he's like, oh, my God, do you think this is really interesting to me, hearing you go on about strippers? I've
0: always wanted to go to that show in Vegas because they had the magic mic. Yeah. you know, back. I reckon it'd be fantastic. I know and all my girlfriends are like, that's weird. I'm like, you're weird for not wanting to go. I think it would exactly. be fun. Like I they think are it'd be weird. Great.
1: you're not weird. Exactly. Everybody loves a good stripping show. Everybody. Especially
0: some hot guys. Like it's hard to find hot guys that are all greased up anymore. You can find <laughs> a lot of hot girls in LA, but to find like a lot of really ripped, good looking yeah. men, you have to pay.
1: And they're all dancers. So they're really good movers and stuff. Like exactly. They're never just people dragged in off the street. But anyway, there okay. you go. A little bit all of right. Let's get started. Okay.
0: First question. Hi, Tracy and Kelsey. Love the show, but wish it was longer. That's nice. Here's my question Why is it that I can orgasm easily on my own with fingers or vibrator, but have never had an orgasm with a partner? So many boyfriends have said, Oh, but you've never had sex with me, convinced they will be the one to make it happen. But it never does. I came close with my ex, whose technique was excellent, but still couldn't tip over the edge.
1: Right. Well, quite obviously falls into two camps here. One, the psychological, the other, the physical. I mean, the big psychological hurdle here is that if you've only ever climaxed on your own, you've taught your brain that orgasm is something that you do on your own, and excuse the the vulgarity, but I can't help but think this is kind of like doing a poo. Because you only ever do a poo on your own, don't you? I mean, some couples do a poo in front of each other, but I don't know too many. <laughs> so it's the same. Your brain's going, when you're in the room with somebody else, it's, it's it, a similar reaction. It's like, why is this person here? I'm not used to this. This is just ridiculous. So the other thing is, is that it's not easy to let go and you know, be completely vulnerable and let yourself go with orgasm. Because even if you're with somebody new, even if you had orgasms in front of another partner, there's still that moment where you think, is he going to look at me and, or is she going to look at me and think, you know, look at that orgasm face, that's just weird. Or you have to let yourself be very vulnerable. And I think some people really struggle with that. Yeah. And
0: I think what she should do, because I think that is so, I think it's totally mental. And if you've only... If you've only been doing it with yourself, my advice would be to flip over, make sure he doesn't see your face, get into a position where you don't feel like he's looking at you and you need, or it needs to be, I know. Here I am again. It needs to be pitch black, because I think I think what happens is if you if you start thinking at all as you're about to have an orgasm, oh my god, they're looking at me. Wait a second, I'm breathing heavy. My face looks weird. It will stop right away because it's you're it's you're stop preserving sure. your yeah your ego. You don't want anybody to see that. So either turn it off, turn the lights off, turn the music up so they can't hear, they can't see, and kind of go go into it blind, or find a position where you're you're not looking at him. You're away from him so that you're not constantly like opening your eyes and seeing him looking at you because they're happy to look at you, but you're, you're not there yet
1: yeah and also by admitting it to the partners this is a good thing and a bad thing because by admitting it she's saying i'm not going to fake it here you know i never orgasm with somebody so i'm not going to fake it which is a good thing but it's a bad thing because men are very competitive and this is why she's going the hey but you haven't slept with me yet thing so then they're like well i can change this and when they don't then they get paranoid and then you're even more paranoid and then you know you get into that situation where he's giving you oral sex and looking at your face and and you're thinking oh my god no one's going to climax under that scenario are they but I am I had similar thing with you in that taking removing eye contact not necessarily that bit but I do think that's a very good idea actually I was thinking that what she could do is to try mutual masturbation now this is not something that you're going to do immediately with somebody you'll have to wait until you're a bit into the relationship but I would suggest that you say to them look, I'd like to try, you know, I want to see how you turn yourself and I'd like you to see the methods that I use. And then if you're both in a room doing it to yourself, right, it takes the the pressure off because you're both sort of looking at each other as well and you're getting aroused by it. But again, it's sort of your brain will like it because you're touching you because it's used to you touching you, but you've introduced the extra element of somebody else in the room. And I would try the first time with your vibrator because that's going to be an easy way to orgasm. So once you've broken the ice of, hey, I just had an orgasm, even though I gave it to myself with somebody else in the room, your brain goes, okay, we've got this new element. Then she should try it with her fingers and see how that goes. And if it's successful with her still doing it to herself, then she should teach him the technique so he can then replicate the technique with her fingers by, you know, showing him, putting his hand over hers and then, you know, getting to the point where he's really good at it and then problem should be solved. Now, the thing is, the other thing that I thought was really interesting about this is that she says her ex came close to giving her an orgasm. He was very experienced. And I think that, It is about technique. Do you know most of the reason why women don't orgasm with their partners? It's not just the intercourse thing that it's hard for women to, you know, to orgasm through non penetrative sex. It's because most men's technique is rubbish, horrible. It's because of awful technique, and most women, instead of saying that is great, honey, but it'd be much better if you did this, they just sit back and go, you know what? He'll he'll hit the spot soon. He'll he'll figure it out soon, and he never does. So it's kind of our fault as well. So if you can get a guy who's got great technique, you're nearly there. I mean, she just had to do a little tiny leap over the, the fence there with the other guy. So she needs to get to a point with this new person that she feels confident that he's going to be able to give her the right technique, and that he's not going to, you know, like... Get it wrong at the crucial moment or stop at the crucial moment. And then once she's done all that, she needs to do what we always say stop aiming for orgasm, relax, enjoy it, explore. You know how to make yourself orgasm. So it's not like if he doesn't give you one, I hate that term, actually give you one. If you don't have one, you can pop next door and have one by yourself. So it really isn't a big deal. So the more you relax, teach him what you're doing. And then the more you relax, I think it won't be a problem. And let him use a vibrator on you.
0: If yes, that's, absolutely. That's, start with that too. Start with the easiest way possible. Flip over, use a vibrator, so you don't have to look at him. You know exactly the pressure that you like, mm. and then take it, take it, take it from there. It'll happen. I believe yeah, in. Her.
1: I feel like she's quite savvy about things. Yeah.
0: And have a it's glass just, of wine. Yeah. Have a glass of wine. <laughs> Put some music on. <laughs> Put some music on and turn off the lights. I don't know why I have all the answers and it always starts with pitch black.
1: I do like, I do like that thing about either do Kelsey's way or do the mutual masturbation. So you're breaking one taboo with your brain at a time. The brain is very simple yeah. to trick. Yeah. You no, I like it. You just have to know what you're doing with it. Good luck. Good luck, yes, my friend. Good luck.
0: In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, next question. I'm a guy in my early 40s. My partner of 20 years passed away two years ago, and I'm thinking of entering the dating game. I'm a very hairy guy, chest and back hair, and a trim beard. My previous partner didn't mind and said she liked it. Are there still women out there who like hairy men, or is that not a thing anymore? I'm happy to trim the hair, and I do, but I don't want to wax or shave. How do I handle this on a date? Should I come right out and say I'm hairy before we have sex, or should I try a more subtle approach? Your help is much appreciated. I'm kind of an expert in this entire thing here, so you are. I'll, mm-hmm. This you is this is them. an area. Well, this is these are two things. Two things. When Nate died. I remember thinking all the things that he thought were cute about me or he appreciated because we grew up together. I was so embarrassed of, like, I don't like my hands. I don't like the way my hands feel. They're really dry. And I remember thinking, like, I don't even want to, like, shake hands with a guy on a date because Nate loved my hands, but nobody else will. Or, like, I'm trying to think what else that I was just super embarrassed of. But little things, like, I have a bald spot on the side of my head. And sometimes, like you can see it, and I and Nate used to like touch it and be like, "It's magic" or something. And I would be so embarrassed now. Like, there's so many things when you say goodbye to a long partner that you mm. have over time agreed that that's what you love about them. Nate was the hairiest, hairiest man. And I remember early on in college, we would maybe been dating like three months, and he's like, "Will you shave my back?" And I remember being like, "Yeah, <laughs> what?" <laughs> And it became something like it was part of our life. Like every couple, we you know every other month, he would go into the backyard and I would I would mow his back, and it didn't bother me because I loved him. But yes, exactly. I I will say I I'm gonna say I I don't think a lot of women like a hairy man. I love that that's that's a belief that some men have. Like some some women are just like give me a hairy guy. That's not it. It means that there's men out there that are hairy that the woman loves enough. He doesn't even, she doesn't even notice it. So, I mean, I think a masculine man is good, but if you have a ton of hair on your back, it's probably, it's something. But Mm. if the woman cares about you, it won't matter at all. And she can shave your back whenever you Mm. are ready. And I think that I wouldn't say anything about it. I don't know. I don't think I would, I think before you have sex, she might, her hand up the back of your shirt and be like wow this isn't smooth this is a very hairy back and I think that's enough you don't need to make a big deal of it you don't need to like Mm -hmm. say it like I don't go like hey my boobs are really small (laughs) no that's right (laughs) they already know that they can see it you know Um, she already knows because she's seen the back of your shirt and she sees what's crawling up yeah yeah so don't worry too much buddy you're gonna find somebody go ahead yeah
1: I think that I think that some women do like hairy men. I think they see it as very masculine because if you have lots of hair, you've got high testosterone. And if you've got high testosterone, you've got a high libido. So we associate it with very virile men. And I think it's a generational thing as well. Like when I was working at Cosmo, we'd have pinups in the middle and, and I'm remembering Burt Reynolds with this massive hairy chest lying on a bear rug. And um and whereas the younger women these days are used to wax chest, which they say looks cleaner and they consume more muscle definition and things like that. And I think it, so long as it's well-groomed, it doesn't matter excessively. Because I think that well-groomed men, I think people who are, if you've got hair sprouting out everywhere. Yes, yes think slobby guys, slobby life, uh, its that's off-putting. But I tried to find some really good research on this. And you'd be amazed that nearly all the good research is done by, surprise, surprise, hair removal companies. So ones that weren't, weren't done by them, it came, listen, the beard's fine. The chest, if it's trim, is fine. fine. It's the back. The it's back the is going to get us. The back's yeah. going to set us back a little 60 bit. 60 to 70 percent of women said they didn't like it. And this is how I'd play. I totally agree with you, Kelsey. I think that if you say to women, "Do you like men with hairy backs?" Women go, "Yuck, no, thanks, very much." But if you say to them, "Do you mind if your partner has back hair?" It's a completely different story because I, they—I didn't mind yeah. it at all. No, I, did, that's I didn't right. mind it
0: at all. But I didn't want it to be like like a shag carpet. Like I wanted us to keep it tight, keep it organized. Yeah, I didn't yeah, want it to get exactly. out of control.
1: But this is what I think. You. This is what I would do if I was him. I would. So given, if he wants to appeal to most women, which he does, I'd say, at the beginning of the dating game, I would get the back waxed, right? Waxed? At the very beginning, I would wax the back or get rid of the body hair, however you want to get rid of it, on your back only. What about trimmed? He's- he doesn't want to wax. I know, but I'm just saying, put up with it for the beginning. Okay. Put up with it for the beginning. So it's not a big con, because it's, you never, it's hard enough to find somebody that you get on with, but I need to deal with this and have an awkward, like, hey, I hope you like hairy men <laughs> conversation. Put up with it until you meet somebody that you really like. And then once you like them, then all you have to say is, look, I actually hate getting my hair waxed. It's a pain in the ass. Can, do you mind if I grow it? Do you have an issue with it? Problem solved. So yes, you might have to go against your principles, but... I was remembering as I was doing the notes for this about a friend of mine who had really bad back hair. And he said to me, Oh, you know, all these women make a big fuss about it. And I think it's really manly. And can you have a look? And I had a look and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so bad but and it was and what was putting women off I can tell you now wasn't the back hair it was his absolute well if no one's gonna like me you know if no one's gonna tell me what to do it was that attitude which I have to say went through everything he did so that wasn't the back hair was not the problem it was the attitude to it but anyway if you don't mind compromising a bit in the beginning you will appeal to more women so but you know I don't think it's gonna be a deal I don't think it's going to be a huge deal, but I do think that we
0: all have agency in our hair, on our bodies. Absolutely. And just like with a woman, if a woman wasn't shaving her legs, you'd be like, ah, you know, maybe we could like take care of that. But I think you're good. It also depends if it's like really dark black or if you're like, it's blonder. If it's really dark black, you might want to just give yourself a head start in the beginning. And then like, like like Tracy said, then you're just, you know, you're a year in and you're like, babe, it's me and this Mm. carpet on my back. And she's going to be like, that's fine, babe. I love you.
1: Or she's going to say, no, I don't like it. And then you have to make a decision. And then you're going to have to make a decision. And that's all part of a relationship really. Exactly. Okay. Last
0: question. I'd like your advice on whether I should separate from my husband or not. We've been together 12 years, the first half really happy. The second half, not so much. We have a daughter who is six. Our main problem is we argue constantly about the same things without ever finding solutions. How to parent, money, all the usual things. Sex stopped when my daughter arrived and has never really kicked off since then. My husband feels like my adversary, not someone who loves me. And I dream of being free of the stress of fighting. I'm worn down but I also have friends who regret leaving their marriages. So I don't want to jump ship if it's going to be even worse as a single mother.
1: Mm. Well, I can answer as the divorce person and you can do the single mom. Got it. So uh, first up, I think if you're still arguing, there is hope. It's when you're indifferent and you can't be bothered even arguing that there isn't hope. Agree. Some cold, hard facts about divorce, right? The latest stuff about it. If money's tough, divorce makes it worse. There is no doubt about that. The average woman's income falls by 33%. That's a third. Your income's going to fall. The biggest regret couples have after divorce is the financial consequences of divorce. It also, don't kid yourself that this means your husband is moving out of your life. You have a kid together. And if you think parenting's hard, with the two of you in the house with the child, imagine what it's like when you absolutely hate each other and you're both having to swallow all of this, but not bad mouth each other and pretend to get on because you absolutely have to put your kid first. Around about one third of people who get divorced regret it, which is quite high, but often because they carry the same problems onto the next relationship. So, you know, if, and then they go, oh, that was a bad relationship. It was her fault. Well, next one, actually, this is a bad relationship, but it's still her fault. So, that a lot of a lot of the regret has to do with not learning from their own mistakes. But divorce is hard. I mean, I when I got divorced, I mean, there's, you know, there's loss, there's loneliness, there's feelings of failure, there's your friends choose, you're gonna lose family members of his that you liked, you know, your your child isn't gonna see the grandparents maybe as much. There's a lot of guilt, especially if you're the one that instigated it. And you've also got to remember that men repartner really quickly. And women take much longer. So you're going to have that. But so I would say so that's all the the negative stuff about divorce. But I actually think that you should stay and fight for this relationship. Give it one year, but only if both of you are willing to acknowledge that. The, the other one has a side because if you're both absolutely I'm right you know she's there's nothing you know it's absolutely all her fault or all his fault well you're not going to get anywhere but also it's glaringly obvious and I'm sure you saw this Kelsey there you know what's changed your relationship it's 12 years first bit was great second bit wasn't what came in the middle of child parenting is incredibly difficult and you have what's called perpetual problems which are unsolvable problems and 69% of couples in relationships have unsolvable problems this is by john gottman who's a relationship expert so it's it's we spend all of our lives trying to find solutions to things that there are no solutions to What you need to do is recognize that you're different people, that you have different attitudes. And some of these are so hardwired that they're just not going to budge. And then you might have a chance. So I would highly recommend you're in gridlock at the moment, get a counselor, a good counselor. They will teach you how to argue and and you know approach this effectively. Communication style.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I I will say two things. I think 12 years is a success. So you guys it it might not have been... I guess maybe I think we were sold a bill of goods when we thought marriage and raising kids was ever going to be easy or fun. Somehow we have this expectation that generations before us did not have. Our great-grandmothers weren't like, it was a blast. We went out all the time. We had weekends away. Sex was amazing. You know, like that just (laughs) didn't happen. Our grandparents were like, it was hard and we had money problems. And
1: I hated your grandfather for years at a time. Michelle Obama just came up and said that, didn't she? Who? She came out and Michelle Obama just said, oh, yeah. you know, I hated, I hated Barack for some of our marriage because of the parenting. It was so hard. And I hated it for money issues
0: for a couple of years when we were in bad spots. And so I think um, if you let go of the idea that this is supposed to be fun and more that it's about becoming more of who we all are in relationships as our, as ourselves, as parents, I will tell you as a single mother, it's really, really, really hard. It's hard not to have someone that loves the kid as much as you do. They're supporting you, helping that you trust. It is a big, big deal. I will tell you also that loss, when it comes to death, is easier in the sense that I only have good feelings about my husband and I loved him and we had a great relationship. People think when you get divorced that you are getting this person that drives you crazy out of your life. You are exactly in the same spot, you just live in different homes. You still have to talk to them all the time. You still have to talk about money. You still have to talk about schedules. You still have to see each other at, you know, this fifth grade concert. So this idea that leaving is going to be the answer is not there. So I agree with Tracy. I would do some deep analysis on what, what what a good marriage would look like for you. And then I would sit down and kind of figure out what you can do to change to meet those things. I wouldn't worry about him. I would just say well the only person I can handle is me. So I'm going to change and become the version of myself that I would want to be and see how he responds because what what happens is we do what we've always done and it sounds like for 6 years you guys have been constantly mm-hmm. arguing about all the things that we all parenting and money and there's a reason you married him 12 years ago it's probably because if you're a saver he's a spender. If he's lenient as a parent. You're strict because we pick people that balance us out. That's and I, right. I know that because now that my husband's gone, I'm way more like him than I ever was when I was married. He, I was super uptight, super neurotic. And I thought he was just way too easygoing. Well, now that he's gone and I'm not in juxtaposition to him, I'm more fun. Mm. Because yeah, it does every, happen, doesn't it? Yeah. everybody takes a spot. So you don't yeah. even know who you are not in relation to him. So figure out what you want to be and then see if you change your behavior, if his adjusts to keep that balance there. So don't mm. give up. It's an, no. God, Don't give up and don't have another kid. That's the only no, thing. Definitely don't have another kid.
1: Yeah. Also, just in terms of counts finally trying to find a counsellor, make sure that you find one through an accredited, like every whichever country you're listening in, there will be a British Psychological Society or an American Psychological Society where they're accredited counselors because there's an awful lot of rubbish ones out there. Don't be scared to ring and talk to them and get a sense of them over the phone. And you don't have to love the counselor, both of you, but you do have to think that they'll be fair, that they know what they're talking about, and that they're going to give both of you you know, a fair hearing, because otherwise it's pointless, especially if you're hung up on the who's right and who's not, which is the one thing you really need to move away from. Anyway, good, luck. good yeah. luck. Yes.
0: All right. I think that's it for today. I feel that's like we've learned a lot. We've got a hairy back. We stopped a divorce from happening and someone's going to have an orgasm in the pitch black. <laughs> with somebody it's
1: been a big not day pitch black not okay pitch. i'm not a big fan of the pitch black room but if you if you Kelsey. need to if you need it yes if because you need to but then, of course you're not a big he's fan gotta, he's got to teach her the tech she's going to teach him the technique with her fingers. He's got to Listen, be able to see.
0: You're an Australian London liver. In, I'm not in, in, in LA, I mean, in, in America, we are very, very, very weird about sex. We're very scared about it. We're taught that it's not a good thing and that it's very private. So we are not footloose and fancy free like these Australians. And these Europeans. What are you?
1: (laughs) English. English. But I thought you grew grew up in. in, I did grow up in Australia. Well, that makes you Australian.
0: Australian. That from osmosis. I'm just saying, for for (laughs) Americans to to let loose, it's like all or nothing. Right, you're just cooler. She loves light. She's always been confident. I need dark, but now I'm coming in. I think
1: I think the girl who rode in would be happy in the light, but also (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) we need to stop right. Adios. Have a great day. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Sex Talk. If you'd like your question answered on the show, send it to us at sextalkpod.com. So that's S-E-X-T-O-K-P-O-D.com. You'll find info about my books, sex products, and more sex advice at tracycox.com. And that's Tracy with an E. If you like this podcast, please send it to your friends and rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast.